Welcome to the podcast of the preaching ministry of LifePoint Church, led by Pastor Lane Harrison. We pray this ministry is a blessing for your life. For more information about LifePoint, please visit lifepointozark.com. For more information and resources from Pastor Lane, please visit mlaneharrison.com. Well, this morning I want us to take some time as we start a new year. I'm going to take the next two weeks, so three weeks total. I'm going to talk a little bit about the essence of the church in this new year and what it means for us to have gospel, to be a people of witness, and a people of partnership. You know, in a world of compounding challenges against our faith, and many as we've seen even in this last year that have come from within the church itself, the larger church, I want to spend the next three weeks considering what is the essence of the Christian faith. And I'll talk a little bit more about why I chose this title for the series next week. But today I want us to look at the center of our faith. You know, the essence of the church, the very heart of who we are, begins with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's power that makes us his own. And so today I want to talk about the gospel, the power of God for salvation for all who believe. The power of God for salvation for all who believe. Let me start with a question in a new year. What have you set forth in 2022 that will really matter to you? What are you going to give yourself to? What's going to take place this year? What's going to transpire? What are you hoping for that will really matter to you? Have you thought about your priorities? Obviously, this is usually a time we choose a word, we choose a theme, we choose a song, we do something that we believe, uh, hopefully the Lord has led us in some way, but we think will kind of qualify the year, at least to get it started until, I don't know, two weeks into January when we've, you know, trying to undo the gym membership and all those kinds of things, right? Why did you put those things down? Why do they really matter to you? That's kind of what we're going to talk about today. You see, friends, what really matters is what Paul points out to us today, that we remember the gospel, the most important, glorious truth of all. And Paul begins the letter to 1 Corinthians with the gospel. And throughout the, the chapters prior to chapter 15, the first 14, he applies it to the different problems in the church. And maybe more so than obviously, extensively more so than any other church in the first century that we see recorded in the New Testament, the Corinthians had some issues. I mean, major issues. Divisions among the church were some of their lesser issues, rampant and gross sexual immorality that was present within the church, uh, they were having, uh, shall we say, vast uh, services of, of flamboyance and kind of what we would consider probably out of control. Uh, the Lord's Supper was more like a keg party than it was anything. I mean, this church had some problems and evidently they didn't know it. And Paul says, this is not how people who are people of the gospel live. And he's pointing that out to them. And he shows to them how the gospel confronts their sin and enables them to be forgiven, to walk in the cleansing work of Jesus Christ and to motivate them 
to obedience out of love for Jesus Christ. You see, we have to remember that the gospel of Jesus Christ does not truncate the whole counsel of God. In other words, the New Testament doesn't make the Old Testament obsolete. Not at all. The Old Testament is about the same Savior as the New Testament. The the Old Testament prepares us. The New Testament introduces us. And that's why we must understand this. Rather, the gospel fulfills the whole of God's counsel so that those who trust in Christ can obey the will of God. And friends, this is good news for us. Because of Jesus, we do not live under the law's condemnation continuing to carry our guilt and our shame from sin. But now, in love, God has given us a new law, the law of love, Paul says, that sets us free to live by faith and obedience to God. And so, as Paul comes to the end of his letter, we come to chapter 15 for today. He makes one final reminder. And I'm going to ask you to go with me to 1 Corinthians 15. And we're going to look first of all at what Paul does here in clarifying and verifying the gospel. I'm going to read the first 11 verses before we continue. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time, most of whom are still alive, although some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me, for I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them, Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me. Whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. May God bless the reading, the hearing, the understanding, and the obeying of his word today. After all that he's taught, 14 chapters, he comes back in chapter 15, and he gives a reminder of everything that he's been talking about the whole time. Why would Paul give a reminder? Because we are so prone to forget. A day starts, a day ends. At the end of that day, there is something that automatically goes off in the back of our mind that reminds us of everything we haven't gotten done that we fully intended to do today. We forgot. We forgot. We are so prone to forget. We are so prone to substitute. Oh, I I know that God is hopeful for us, but in the busyness of life, this seems like a better option in this moment for this time with these details applied. And so we make a substitute, thinking that in some way maybe God wouldn't mind or in some way maybe God didn't consider this. 
Or instead of believing the gospel, we trust what it is that we want to above what God provides for us. God, I think I know better. I think this is going to work out more. You see, life with God, friends, is what Paul reminds us. It only comes by faith in Jesus Christ through the gospel. The gospel is not a threshold to get into the kingdom of God and then leaves us on our own. The gospel is the full immersion into life with God. It is the oxygen in the air that we breathe. It is the energy that compels us every day. So what Paul does is he returns to the gospel to clarify it. And he reminds us in verses 3 and 4 that Jesus died for our sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. And all of this was done in accord with the scriptures. Now, why would he say that twice in two verses? Well, what he intends for us to understand is that the gospel was not God's plan B. Things didn't go haywire in creation and all of a sudden God had to figure something out. It took him thousands of years to do it, but finally he got the plan right and sent Jesus. No, what Paul is telling us that in accordance with the scripture simply means that the gospel was never an afterthought, but it is a divine revelation from God. That this is the will, the plan of God. You see, Jesus' resurrection is God's revelation to demonstrate his power over sin, over death, over hell, and over the grave. Everything that we have yet to, and I would argue will never find solutions for in this life, God's already solved. That's what the gospel is about. Jesus died in our place for our sin to satisfy God's wrath against sin so that when we believe in him, we are given peace with God because the perfect righteousness of Jesus Christ is placed upon us when our sins are removed from us. You see, the wrath of God against sin is no longer honest because the debt of our sin has been paid. And when the debt's been paid, our penalty has been removed. Next to our name is the name of Jesus Christ. And there is no list of sins with it. Because of Jesus, the curse of sin and death is no longer true of the one who trusts in him because now we are made alive with God in Jesus Christ. Where once we were dead in our sin and trespass. You see, God's resurrection power proves that when we believe in Jesus, we immerse our whole life in Him by faith, and we are removed, as Colossians teaches, from the kingdom of sin's darkness and transferred, brought into the kingdom of light that is the kingdom of His Son. And that's what He teaches us in verses 3. And And then in verse 5 through verse 11, he goes on to record the people that Jesus appeared to after the resurrection that verifies the resurrection by personal testimony and eyewitness. And Paul tells how Jesus appeared to him after this, later on the road to Damascus, to qualify him for his own apostleship. And then Paul says that the gospel uh, that, that Jesus has done this, that the gospel may be preached so more people can hear 
and believe. And so in these first 11 verses, we have this concise precise reminder of the gospel of what God has done of why he has done this and what he has given us his people to and so by faith through the gospel Jesus becomes our all in all and no matter what you face no matter what comes against you we know from the whole counsel of God's word through the gospel Jesus is always faithful Jesus is always available and he is always able to provide all that we need you see Jesus doesn't make life perfect but he does forgive us of our sin and give us his perfect life And this is what Paul wants the Corinthians to remember. This is what Paul is compelling us to remember this morning. The work of Jesus Christ for us. For the gospel is the good news that God sent his son Jesus to die for our sins and to give us life with him. And any less than life in Jesus is no life at all. It is death. It is death. Friends, today I want to say to us, and I want you to walk away with this, that Christians live to abound in the Lord's work because we are alive in the kingdom of God. Of all that Paul will say in the remainder of this chapter, he will begin to apply the implications of the gospel to the major issues, the biggest issues of life, issues the Corinthians were facing and struggling with, issues that you and I today are facing and continue to struggle with. And Paul says these are not issues for God. And when we look to him, they cease to be issues for us. But at the end of all of this, he says, so we can abound in the Lord's work. Because of the gospel. And so Christians live to abound in the Lord's work because we are alive in the kingdom of God. Not alive to the world, not alive to self, but alive to God through Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Do your New Year's plans center on God's kingdom? What he has for you in your life? To abound in the Lord's work of sharing the gospel so others can hear, so others can believe, as Paul says in verse 11 here. Do your New Year's plans include what God wants for you to live as a citizen of his kingdom? I believe Paul wants to remove the obstacles that so easily entangle and present themselves and to show us how the resurrection of Jesus Christ proves that he has the power over these things today. And so I want us to see four realities of the resurrection. Four resurrection realities that explain why Christians live to abound in God's gospel work of his kingdom. Not just to get it done. Not a task list. But to abound. To abound. The first reality we begin with in verse 12 through verse 34. And for the sake of time, I'm not going to read all of these verses, but I do want you to look at verses 19 and 20 and 22, which are kind of the center of Paul's argument in this section. He's talking about the resurrection of the dead. Some people do not believe in the resurrection. As a matter of fact, when you read the gospel accounts and you hear about the Sadducees, the Sadducees were a whole group of Jewish leaders that. That denied there was any resurrection. 
And Paul is addressing that ideology and that false understanding of our Christianity. And he says this, he says, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. Now that reference to falling asleep is a reference to what we would consider death in the physical realm. So Paul has ceased to speak of death in the physical realm because typically now when he's speaking of death, he's talking about eternal death because of our sin. And so he's making a distinction there. In verse 21, for as by a man came death, who is that man? Adam. Adam from Genesis chapter 3. For by A man came death. By a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. That's Jesus Christ. And then move to verse 22. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. You see, friends, Jesus' resurrection means that there is eternal life after death. There is eternal life after death. Jesus was not only raised, but Paul says God raised him as the first fruit. What does that word mean? Well, first fruit means one that represents others. One that represents what is to come. And so when Jesus was raised from the dead, it wasn't a one and done. He could raise him, but because he raised him, the promise of resurrection is true in him. The more will include all who put their faith to believe in Jesus. You see, his resurrection was the declaration of salvation for all who trust in him. That's why Paul says that this matter is of first importance. I mean, until you've settled this issue, every other issue is secondary in life. Because this is the one ultimate, this is the one eternal issue of every person's life. And the resurrection proves that this life is not all there is. Paul's argument is this, if this life is all there is, Christians are the most pathetic people that have ever existed. Because you claim something that's so asinine and so ideologically idiotic. No one should even pay you any attention. You're pathetic. But, Paul says, it is true. It is true. The resurrection, friends, means that our hope in Jesus is not just for today. It's for every day. And on the day, capital D, when he returns to usher us into eternity from the here and now, our hope will hold us in Jesus Christ. You see, eternal hope determines the way we live now. The resurrection tells us that sin is no longer our master, that the prince of darkness no longer rules over us, that death and the grave are of no threat to us, and the power of this world is less than inferior to the power from God that is in us. You see, people who believe in Jesus do not continue in the pleasures of this world. They do not go on sinning, he says in verse 34, when he says, wake up from your drunken stupor as is right and do not go on sinning. Why? Why? Because this is not the way God's people live. 
Why? Because we have a hope that transcends this life, but begins in this life because of our hope is in the one who has conquered sin for us. We are not ruled by sin. We don't give up to it. We don't give in to it because it does not master us. The life we live now is lived for God's eternal glory by his resurrection power. And to go on sinning, to continue in our sin is a functional denial of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's when a Christian lives in complete contrast to what is true of their life. You say, but pastor, you don't know me. Oh, I'd say, but you don't know me. That kind of puts us at the same place. So let's start again. Why don't we just ask God what he's got to say about it? And this is what he says. Christians do not live consumed only in the moment, but rather compelled to make every moment matter for eternity. Friends, there's so many more important things that matter for eternity that God wants us to matter now. And we get so distracted by all the things that we give ourselves to that don't matter. Let me ask you this. Have you lost any hope recently? In any area of life, in any situation or circumstance? Has there been a moment when you go, man, what is the reason? I mean, what's the purpose? Just kind of throw your hands up. Good grief. I mean, that can kind of be the last year, right? I'm already hearing people go, oh, 2022, do not be 2021. You know, I saw somebody post, I'm hoping 2022, and it was spelled out with T-W-E-N-T-Y-T-W-E-N-T-Y-T-W-O. They said, I'm hoping it is this instead of T-W-E-N-T-Y-T-W-E-N-T-Y-T-O-O. Think about that for a moment. And that'll ruin your afternoon. Don't think about that for a moment at all. You know anyone who has lost hope recently? Are you kidding? We, we've all got people all around us who have. Remember the gospel. For in it the resurrection fills us with the hope to live now for eternity. God has not gotten off course. He's still on his throne. And this is the first reality of the resurrection that we are filled with hope to live now for eternity. Look at verse 35 and look at the second reality, which is this, the resurrection destroys fear by faith for God's greater glory and purpose. The resurrection destroys fear by faith for God's greater glory and purpose. In in verses 35 through 49, The people of Corinth were very anxious. They were very upset over death and and whether whether a person could actually be raised. And if if resurrection's not true, then death, in fact, is the end. And that way, death becomes the ultimate thing that we must fear and that we must avoid at all costs. Or at the very least, go for the gusto and get everything out of this life that you absolutely can. But Paul says, no, that's not truth. You know, the fact of the matter is, we're no less anxious or upset over death today 
absent of Christ, when we forget Christ, than they were in that day. Death upsets me too if I let it. Doesn't take very much dwelling on it for it to become overwhelming to me in my thoughts and in my heart. And when we look at our physical bodies and we realize that they're wasting away in so many ways, it can be hard to imagine them being raised and that being a good thing. Some people will ask, at what age will our bodies be raised? At what point in our life? I just want to be ready, you know? I'm like, I don't know. And praise be to God, he doesn't address that question in that way anyway in the scriptures. Our, our bodies provide us much pleasure and good in this world. But the reality of death and the mortality of life, pain and sickness, disease and suffering can cause us to wonder, even question, whether believing in Jesus is really worth it. You know, many people in the first century in Corinth were riddled by the problems that these kinds of situations create, just as you and I and so many people all around us every day are riddled by these same kinds of problems. It wasn't unique to them. It's not new for us today. But here's the good news of the gospel, friends, in this second reality. It's not ultimate for us either. It's not ultimate for us. And that's what we have to remember. Paul doesn't try to dismiss their questions. God doesn't look at us and say, you know, your questions about these things are not important. Quite the opposite, he does for us. He says, actually, they are important. You need to ask why you're asking those questions. You need to ask why those questions are so important to you. Because there's fears inside. There are things within us that, that bind us up within. Be them anxiety, be them fear, or anything else. And Paul says, I want to address them, but doing so by the gospel. And in the face of real fear, he gives us courage to keep going because of the resurrection. Look at verse 42 and then verses 45 to 49. He says this, so it is with the resurrection of the dead, what is sown is perishable, what is raised is imperishable. He's talking about our bodies. He's talking about the resurrection body. Move down to 45. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. Listen to this. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Whoo! That's good right there. I wonder if in heaven my shirts will have too little fabric in the front like my wife tells me they do on earth. I can't tell you how deep trouble I'm in right now. But I'm in it. Friends, this is good news. This is good news for us. 
You see, the wasting away of this world, the slow decay of our aging bodies, the terminal nature of so many realities in this world press upon us so that we cannot ignore them. But hear me, because of the gospel, we don't have to ignore them. We can receive them and we can take in all the good and the pleasures of this world that are God glorifying and God honoring and we can thank the Lord for what he's giving us and we can know this is phase one. This comes first, but after this, what comes is gonna be so much more glorious. The reality of our mortality and its many expressions often causes fear and being overwhelmed when faced with the hard questions about life that we do not have answers to. But when faced with the unknown of life, Jesus gives us hope and courage not to stop but to keep going, not to avoid but to walk in and be courageous in what he has walked out of the grave. Listen, friends, faith never means you will not be tempted to or never feel fear. Do not believe that. Faith is the way you address to confront your fear. And where faith in Christ comes, fear cannot remain. Jesus is the only one in whom we find real courage to keep going in the midst of heartache, pain, suffering, injustice, and evil. He's the one that will not disappoint us. For the wasting away of this earthly body and the mortality of this earthly life will not end for the person who trusts in Jesus. Paul tells a young Timothy, God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of love, of power, and of self-control. To face the questions of life that conjure up the deepest and the strongest fear. And to absolve it in faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 48 and 49. We shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. Do you know what that man did? He walked through walls. He appeared to people and spoke to them. He walked with them. He talked with them. He fellowshiped with them. So shall you and I. So shall you and I. The resurrection brings the spirit of God's power, love, and self-control in Jesus Christ to conquer fear and live by faith for his greater glory. In 2022, will you ignore, try to absolve and deny your fear, or will you face it with faith in Jesus Christ? The reality of the resurrection says you don't have to ignore it. You can ask your questions that create it. And you can set them before the Lord. And He, He will be your answer. Or the answers of this world cannot address those issues. The third reality of the resurrection is this. Verses 50 through 57. That the resurrection secures our victory over death and sin. The resurrection secures our victory over death and sin. I love the heading in the text here. If you have your Bible open and, and you can see it there, the heading in the English Standard Version says, Mystery and Victory. <laughs> Mystery and Victory. 
That's the glory of God right there, friends. Mystery meaning not that which is unknown, but the one who is known yet not fully comprehended. That's what mystery is all about. And yet, there is victory. Paul states this, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. In other words, again, we shall not all die physically, but we shall all be changed in a moment. In the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable and we shall be changed. Changed how? For those who have not yet fallen asleep or physically died, we will be changed from our perishable bodies to our imperishable bodies. From our image of the man of dust to our image of the man of heaven. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable and this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. I saw one of those brief videos the other day on social media where a guy was feeding his fish. And he put a fish in there, and the fish was the size of his hand. And he placed it in the water, and it just kind of began to float down. And all of a sudden, into the screen came a larger fish, and this one just disappeared. You didn't see where it went. It just was no more. And that's what Paul's talking about. Death swallowed up in victory. Gone. Done. You see, friends, this life is never intended to be our highest or our greatest victory. Jesus alone holds our victory. He conquered sin and death, proving that he held authority over death and the grave. Our ultimate victory is only in Jesus as we put on that imperishable life. But we shall all be changed. Don't forget that. Be reminded of that. Let your hope sit in this. But thanks be to God, he goes on to say in verse 57, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Our victory will be as his has been, because his has been. God gives victory over death because he conquered sin in Jesus' sacrifice and resurrection. And while we are not made perfect in this life, this changes everything for us in this life because in Jesus we have ultimate victory over sin and death we do not have to give in or to give up one way we see a glimpse of Jesus's ultimate victory in this life is that we can experience real victory over our sins that entangle and condemn us in this life that's a representation of the ultimate victory that will come and when we daily put on the Lord Jesus Christ as Paul teaches in Colossians when we walk in his victory and not trying to attain our own even when we walk through our heartaches through our disappointments through our struggles and our problems in this world we still have the Lord Jesus Christ his mystery and his victory that is clothing us 
And today we still wear the mortal and the perishable, but we are getting dressed for the day when we will put on the immortal and we will put on the imperishable. And my question to you as you make your list of what really matters in 2022, are you looking for that day? Are you living today as though you know that day will come and you're getting dressed for it even now? When you make your plans this year, Christian, before you put anything else down, put on the Lord Jesus Christ because your victory has been secured in him and there is nothing in this world, there is nothing that transcends this world that can do anything about that. Pursue it with all your might. And the fourth reality of the resurrection is this. That the, reality, the resurrection gives power meaning and purpose to life. Now look at verse 58. What does Paul say? Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the, in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. That's what he says. He says, because of what we know about the resurrection, because of what we have received in Christ, we live today in such a way that is not like we would live if we did not have Christ. We live differently now because of all we know to be true of our new life in Jesus Christ. We don't set our goals by the world's glory. We don't make our plans to see the outcomes that this world deems right and good to be ultimate right and good. We we look to God's righteousness and God's goodness. We do not order our steps by the priorities of this world. We submit our plans to God and he orders our steps according to his divine wisdom. We do not reason by the ideologies or the philosophies of this world. We reason to rationalize our life by the theology of God's divine revelation. We are not motivated by the promises that this world provides for us and constantly offers to us we hold by faith to the promises of God those things that we have seen come about and those that we have yet to see fulfilled because the promises of God are better than all of the world's already supplied provisions Christians live differently or shall I say distinctively because the gospel of Jesus Christ speaks a better word to all of these as it empowers our life to live for him Christian, be steadfast in this year. Be immovable. Not because of who you are, but because on whom you stand. The rock. Psalm says that he's been our refuge in every generation. He will not fail this one. He will not fail us. You know nothing will be wasted. For in the resurrection we have power, we have meaning, and we have purpose that comes out of eternity and fills this life now, preparing us for life with God in eternity. Four resurrection realities that establish our why. Why we live to abound in the Lord's work because we are alive in the kingdom of God. I'll close with this. I watched a movie recently called The Alpinist. I've actually watched it twice and I'm preparing to go watch it again. It's nuts. And I won't give any spoiler alerts to it because you need to watch it. It is a documentary that follows Matt Andre Leclerc. 
He's a Canadian, and he is a solo alpinist who free climbs. Free climbs by himself. That's what solo means. And he's climbing ridiculous places all over the world. And, and on one, he's soloing the headwall of Tori Egger. Now, if you're not a mountaineer, you don't know what that is. I didn't until they told me. It's the tallest mountain in Patagonia, Argentina. And in Patagonia, Argentina, the climbers come in the summer. He's there in the winter. He's the only climber that's there when all the other climbers are gone. And, and it's showing him, I guess by a drone or something, he's hanging literally from two ice picks that are dug into this icicle hanging off the side of a cliff and he's just hanging on and his feet are dangling, the camera shows. And here's what he says in this low, very calm voice. When you encounter a situation, you're like, okay, this is real. Yes, it's real. You're 2,000 feet above the ground hanging on for dear life in ice. Okay. He goes on to say, I can either keep it together and do this or I can fall apart and have a meltdown. Ever had a day like that? You got to do one or the other. And that process of evaluating the situation and getting it together and carrying on, it's a challenge every time. <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a phenomenal quote. Friends, it is a challenge every time. But let me tell you this. It's a promised victory for Christians. There isn't anything in question about your life in this year in Christ. Except for will you trust him. Today is a situation for you to evaluate your life. To see if you're living by faith. In the gospel, God invites you to live by his resurrection power. Won't you do that this year? Let's pray.